week's reading for the second Sunday of Easter comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked out of fear. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Now Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Folks, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. When my kids were little, one of our favorite pastimes was to play hide-and-seek. And I don't know if you've ever played hide-and-seek or not with little kids, but as an adult playing with little kids, it's remarkably easy. And the places that you can hide that are simply out of their typical line of sight, you can be in plain sight and they won't see you. And I can remember many, many times when this was the case with my kids when they were little. But this week, Facebook reminded me of something that had happened on that, uh, that particular date, you know, as I'm recording this, it was a couple days ago, but, but it, on that particular date, and it actually happened six years ago, and at that time here in, in the congregation that I serve, my, I would spend a lot of time with our high school kids, and we would spend time in the scriptures, but then we would also you know, just mess around and have some fun, and one of the things we did was play hide-and-seek. And we would do that in the church. And as the person who's in the church a lot, I know all of the good hiding spaces. But this particular instance, I found what could arguably be the best hiding spot ever. Now, in our church basement, there is a little bitty portable altar. It's, it's kind of like this altar that's behind me, but it's not built in like that one is. It's this portable thing that's made of wood, and it's, it's, it had sat there for a long, long time, and it's still sitting there now. If I went down in the basement right now, it would still be sitting there. But I discovered on this one particular instance that I could open that up, and it was hollow underneath. I'd never really looked behind it before to realize that, but I did. So I actually crawled inside it, and this thing is not real big. It's only about this wide and maybe about yay tall, so it's not really very big, but it was big enough for me to get inside, and I could pull it back in place up against the wall, and I hid there. And over the course of the next half hour, I listened outside on the outside of this box that I was in as the high schoolers were running all over the place trying to find me, and I could hear them talking, and they couldn't figure out where I was. And it was this great big mystery, and I was trying really hard to bite my tongue to, to keep from laughing because it was so funny to me. But gradually, after a little bit of time had gone by, that I, I thought, okay, it's time to come out. So I moved it out of the way, and I emerged in their midst. And there I was. I'd been in the midst of them the whole time, and they just could not see me. 
I kind of think that in our story for today, where we're at in the gospel narrative, Jesus is playing a little bit of hide and seek. Now, our story picks up as it begins. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, on that evening. So where we are at, where our story starts today, is actually the evening of Resurrection Sunday. So Jesus was raised in the morning, and then it's happening that evening. But as we look at this story, which actually also involves a time jump to about a week later, we have what is Jesus' second and third resurrection appearances here in John's gospel. Now, of course, every one of the gospels paints things just a little bit differently in who has encountered the risen Jesus, who has seen him, and who has not. And the details are always a little different. But here in John's gospel, this is number two and number three. So I want to back up real quickly to number one. It was Mary Magdalene, one of the women, the morning of the resurrection. She has gone to the tomb. She has found the tomb open and empty, and she's gone and reported that to the disciples. She says, the tomb is empty. His body's gone. I don't know where he's at. And then Peter and one of the other disciples, they run off to the tomb, and they kind of take a look inside, and they don't quite know what to think, and they kind of banter a little bit, and then they leave. And it's after that, Mary Magdalene is standing there outside the tomb again when she encounters the risen Lord. Now, having had that encounter, she is the first person to see the risen Jesus, and she goes back to the disciples again, and she says, I have seen the Lord. With that, we fast forward to evening. And most of the disciples, minus just a couple of them, are gathered together. They're locked away out of fear. They're still afraid, despite that report of the empty tomb and the report of Mary Magdalene, that I have seen the Lord. They are afraid that the, the, the people who had conspired to the death of Jesus might find them. And because of their association with Jesus, they might share the same fate. So they are locked away out of fear. There's a rumor that Jesus is out there somewhere resurrected, but they haven't seen him. When suddenly, out of nowhere, Jesus emerges in their midst. He somehow passes through this locked door, and there he is. And the first thing that he says to them is, peace be with you. And they freak out. And he shows them the holes in his hands and the hole in his side. He shows them the marks of the crucifixion that are still there, even though he is resurrected. Peace be with you. And they don't quite know what to think, so he says it again. Peace be with you. Two times he says that. And there's this amazing moment. And they begin to believe, having now seen and experienced and recognized the risen Lord, and Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into them, gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit, which I believe empowers their faith. And they believe that there's Jesus. But we hear there's one individual who's not with them. Thomas was absent. We don't know where he's at. We don't know why he's not with everybody else, but he's not there. When the disciples find Thomas, at whatever point this is, they give the same report that Mary Magdalene had said. We have seen the Lord. We have encountered the risen Jesus, he is alive again. And Thomas gives this desire to have his own experience. Now, Thomas always gets this rap of being the doubter. And I think that's a bad thing to, to say to him, to, to throw this idea that, 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 oh, he was just lacking faith. Well, you know what? 
they had risen or seen the risen Jesus and had to have that experience and then received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think Thomas just wanted to have the same encounter. I don't think this is a bad thing. I think we all would share in that. If somebody came up to us and said, hey, guess what? We saw the risen Jesus. We'd be like, I'd be like, well, hey, I want to do that too. So I can't blame Thomas. And he says he wants to have the same encounter unless I see him. Unless I see the nail holes in his hands and, and, and the wound in his side, I will not believe. Time goes by, and we actually fast forward a week. We'd had the morning of Easter, Mary Magdalene, I have seen the Lord. Then we had that evening, and Jesus appears, peace be with you. And the disciples say, we have seen the Lord. And now they're all gathered again. Same type of situation. They're all locked away in the room again. It seems that fear is still holding on, despite that encounter they have had. This time, Thomas is with them. And once again, here's Jesus playing hide and seek again. And in their midst, there he is again. He comes through the locked door another time. And he says the exact same thing again. Peace be with you. And then he zeroes in on Thomas. Thomas, see the holes in my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Believe that this is real. And then Thomas, now having seen having had this encounter, which was similar, though a little bit different than the rest of the disciples, having had this, he makes this faithful proclamation, my Lord and my God. Despite the fact that Thomas gets a bad rap, he's the only person who ever makes that statement. And so we see that his belief is present. He has had this encounter with the risen Lord. Now, I think that this is important, that we have these different accounts in which the report is all the same. I have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. And then Thomas, now that I have seen the Lord, I believe my Lord and my God. All of these things are going on, and yet it's Jesus' words that I zero in on more. Peace be with you. I thought about that a lot. I asked myself the question, why would Jesus have to say that? And not just once, but twice to the first group. And then again, he says the same thing when he shows up a week later and Thomas is there. Why does Jesus begin this conversation of, hey guys, guess what, I'm alive again, with peace be with you? Well, think about it. Think about the experience that the disciples have had before all of this had gone down a few days or a week in advance. They had been with Jesus. They had all sworn, regardless of what happens, we will stay with you. We will go with you even to the point of death. And we especially hear this from Peter. And then Jesus says, yeah, that's pretty much not going to happen. Guess what? You're all going to run away, and I'm going to be alone when all of this happens, and that's what goes on. And so maybe, just maybe, in the midst of all of this stuff that's going on, in the midst of all the fear that the disciples are experiencing, and the mourning because their friend is dead, and the confusion of, well, he was dead, and now Mary says he's alive, and we don't quite know what to think of it, and the tomb is empty, but we haven't seen him, so we don't exactly know what's going on. Maybe through all of this, they are experiencing that sense of anxiety or angst because they feel like they have failed the Lord. They have failed Jesus, and so perhaps there's some fear there that he's not going to forgive us. He's not going to be okay with us. If he's really alive again, there's going to be some trouble, and when he shows up, he alleviates that fear. Peace be with you. God made flesh. The man who is also God has offered them 
Now, what I really appreciate about this is when they receive the peace of God, Perhaps this is a way of acknowledging that they have been forgiven for their shortcomings. They have been forgiven for the fact that they did abandon Jesus. But regardless of that, the one who came and lived and died and now has raised again has brought peace between God and humanity. He offers that to them. And then when they receive this and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Faith is born, and they are empowered by that same Holy Spirit to now be the body of Christ in the world. And that will be important once we get through those 40 days post-resurrection when Jesus ascends to heaven and is no longer here present on earth. I believe all of this is important, that gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives to them as they have had their encounter with the risen Lord. Remember the reports, I have seen the Lord we have seen the Lord. Well, folks, now 2,000 years later, we have not literally seen the resurrected Jesus because Jesus is in heaven. But we have been given the same reports. We encounter the presence of God as the body of Christ. We encounter it in the scriptures when we read them. All of these ways that we somehow encounter the presence of God, whether it's through one another or through the scriptures or through the presence of God in the world that we are a part of, I believe that our ability to encounter God in that, not physically, but still to have this encounter is powered in, or is empowered through the same Holy Spirit that Jesus breathed into the disciples. That same Holy Spirit resides within us and creates faith so that we can say, my Lord and my God, even though we cannot physically say, I have seen the Lord. I think about all of this because in my congregation this week, we will be celebrating a baptism. And in the Lutheran expression of faith, we hold very, very tightly to the promise that God has made that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism. That the Holy Spirit resides within us and empowers us just like it empowered the disciples. That same spirit which connects us and binds us all together as the body of Christ. Now that, that gift of the Spirit also brings with it a claim. The claim that God places upon every single one of us that you are my beloved child. And because I love you, whatever it is that was accomplished through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus has made this relationship possible. It has made it possible for there to be peace between you and me. As we move through this season of Easter, focusing in on the ways that the resurrection resurrected Jesus appeared to different individuals. We cling to the faith that that resurrected Lord is in heaven and yet empowers every single one of us with that same Holy Spirit. And that that powering of the Holy Spirit also represents that claim. God says to you, you are mine. I claim you. Believe it because there is peace.